0: is just as excited to share with Bishop Willimon Harrison Church, because I'm just so grateful for the ministry here and for the ways that you all are the presence of Christ in this community and beyond. He is my former supervisor, and as I came up onto the platform, he said, be brief. (laughs) So I will be brief. I won't tell you about the 50 books that he's written, his 20 years at Duke, his eight years as a bishop in North Alabama, but I'm going to tell you just a real quick story based on my memory of my time at Duke Chapel. So long about maybe my second year there, if I remember correctly, somebody up in New England plagiarized one of Bishop Williman's sermons. And his response was, well, I hope they did it with a Southern accent. So with that, Bishop Williman, I hope that was brief enough, but just give you a touch taste of him.
1: (laughs) Thank Thank you, Elizabeth. I've known Elizabeth longer than you have, and when I heard she was appointed here at Harrison Church, I said, I, I hope those people have had a little rest, because Elizabeth loves to organize people, loves to get them in motion, loves, best of all, tell them what to do and to set them to doing. When she told me that her first hire here was a Pentecostal piano player, I said, that is so typical of you. Yeah, just let's get this thing going. Um, Well, it's great to be with you in this lively church. Whenever the church gathers, there's one question before us, the most important question, and that question is, who is God, and what is God up to? That was one of the things that one of the reasons why we end this story on a cross, uh, because Jesus came, the Son of God, the one sent from God, and people looked at him and said, "Wait a minute! That that's not God. God doesn't look like that. God doesn't do that." And so most of Jesus' stories, his parables. Are stories about God. Uh, Who is God? And Jesus responds uh, Now, which one of you Uh, shepherds, you lose one sheep, will you not leave all your 99 sheep back in the fold and go out and beat the bushes? Constantly, night and day, until you find that one sheep. And when you found that one sheep that was lost, you put it on your shoulders. You come back to your friends and say, Oh, let's party. I found my sheep. To which your friends say, Well, great. While you're away, those 99, that you're down to about 30 sheep now. Great. (laughs) Now, which one of you women? You lose a quarter. Will you not move all the heavy appliances out on the porch... Rip up the carpet, tear the house apart, and when you found that quarter, which one of you would not run out into the street and say to your neighbors, Hey, I found that coin I lost. Come party with me. Now, which one of you would not do that? Which one of you fathers? We've got two sons. The youngest son says, Dad, drop dead. Put the will into effect. I'm out of here. And he takes everything you've got. He goes off to the big city. He loses every cent of it in loose living. Then when he comes back home in rags, and uh, would you not say to him, uh, Harold, you wanted a party? I'll show you a party. Now, which one of you would not do that? Of course. None of us would do that. I mean, what sane person would act like that? And that's when the teller of the story says, Oh, I'm sorry. These are not stories about you. This is who God is. This is what God's up to. Which, uh, I'm laying the groundwork for one of uh, Jesus' strangest stories uh, that is before us on this Sunday. And if you'll stand for the gospel... Then he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it, and he found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I've found none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? But he replied, sir, uh, let it alone for one more year until I can dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well, well and good, but if not, then you can cut it down. This is the good news of our Lord. Amen. Uh, what is God like? Um, God is like a farmer that had this uniquely unproductive fig tree that for three years... The farmer goes to the fig tree seeking figs. For three years, this tree bears nothing. Which is particularly outrageous because in that part of the world, figs can bear up to, fig trees can bear up to three times a year. So for three years, nine growing seasons, this fig tree has produced nothing. And so the farmer justly says, hey, why take up good soil with this worthless tree cut it down and uh, th- the the servant says uh, master uh, uh, why don't you leave it alone um, uh, let me dig around it and, and I'll put some manure on it and uh, maybe that, that'll do the trick and Jesus says God is like that now, it's a, it's, a, it's a strange story in a, a number of ways. For uh, one thing, the, the, the major way is that uh, the servant says, let me put some manure on it. Some versions of the Bible, more politely, translate this fertilizer. Uh, but I have to tell you that the word, the Greek word is caprion, caprion. It can be translated manure, it can be translated fertilizer, but usually it meant worse than that, a word that I would never use here, and uh, <laughs> even though Jesus does, uh, this word is found nowhere else in the entire New Testament, Caprion. master, let me pile some Caprion on it, maybe the dung will do it, maybe it will be fruitful. It's Caprión. It's, it's an outrageous word that you don't expect to find on the lips of Jesus. It's Caprión, And uh, and then the servant says Master, leave it alone. Aphetes is a Greek word. And it is the same root for the word forgiveness. Ah, Master forgive it. I'll pile some dung on it and Let's see what happens. And Jesus says, God is like that. How does God deal with unproductivity, with a lack of faithfulness? Two-thirds of all United Methodist churches have not produced a new Christian in the last two years. Ah, Uh, the Methodist Church had 12 million members uh, the night that I was ordained in 1972 the morning after I was ordained we started losing members and we have lost about 3 million members so we said hey let's have a special general conference so we can decide who else we can exclude okay uh When I left the last general conference on the way out, I said, "Wow, well, Caprion's getting pretty deep around here." <laughs> uh, uh, this justifiable, perfectly reasonable, cut it down, followed by, "Ah, oh, Master of Forgive him." Okay. We're listening in, I think, on a conversation in the heart of the Trinity, in the heart of God. This tension between accountability and justifiable judgment, mixed with, ah, ah let it, let them alone. Let's, let's give them more time. We we sing about amazing grace, and sometimes grace is forgiveness of sins. Uh, sometimes grace is the love of God working in your life, and sometimes the grace of God is time. Give them more time. I'll admit, it's, it's time for them to be judged, but just, let's give them more time. Let's dig around it, put some caprian on it, and just see. Uh... I was with him when he got his diagnosis, and it was fast spreading, and he went into the hospital, and uh, they, the, the doctor said, I, we, we've got a therapy here that I, I, it'll be interesting to see if your body responds to it all. Uh, and all, and so I went, we went, visited him through the treatments, and I remember that. That day, uh, after the surgery, after the recuperation, after the test, I walked into his room, and he was uh, gathering up his things. And he said, I- "I'm well. <laughs> I'm leaving." And he said, uh, "Hey, uh, uh, preacher, uh, I just want to say this. I'm going to double my pledge to the church. I, I haven't been doing what I should have been doing. I, I want to make that right." And uh, he said, I, I want you to, I want you to figure out a particular ministry for me to kind of uh, uh, give backing to, because I want to do that. And uh, I said to him, wow, <laughs> wonderful, that's amazing. I said, I, I'm just, I think it's beautiful the way you've used this difficult time in your life, the way that God has redeemed that for you, and, and now you you you've, You responded in this way. You're changed in this way. And he said, uh, yeah, well, I'd like to hang around here and talk about it. But, hey, I've been given time. Goodbye. And he walked out. Uh, Sometimes the the greatness of God of which we sang in the song, uh, sometimes that greatness of God is is in that unconditional love of God and and God's love working in you. Sometimes it's the gift of time. A a woman said to me, I knew her when I was uh, preaching at Duke Chapel and knew her little boy. And she said to me, uh, you know, my son, which grew up uh, at Duke Chapel and uh, listening to your sermons, sadly, uh, now in his 30s, he's, he's not a Christian. And uh, I'm just so sad over that. And I said, uh, I know a good bit about God. And let me just say this. Uh, Let me correct you on what you just said. My son is not a Christian. You need to say, my son is not a Christian yet. You tell that boy to keep looking over his shoulder as he goes into midlife. Uh, God's got ways. Or maybe in the light of this story, I should have said, you know, God's, God's got time. God's willing to take time. In that parable, the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost boy, it, uh, surely there was somebody who said to that father, Hey, let him go. That is an ungrateful son. Forget about it. And uh, the father said, I, I, got, I got time. I can wait. And the parable says, the shepherd searched for the lost sheep until he found it. I don't know whether it took him a couple of days to find that lost sheep or, or 20 years to find that lost sheep, but th- there's still time. And, and in your own life, there's that, surely you can feel the kind of tension of, of God in your life saying, uh, I've given this This child of mine, every advantage in life, every opportunity, so little fruit. But, hey, fetes, forgive them. Give it time. Uh, There was, when I became bishop in Alabama, this pastor said to me, uh, look, bishop, Uh, A lot of you bishops think your job is to, like, move pastors around. Let me tell you, some of your best work is when you refuse to move a pastor. And I said, huh? And he said, let me tell you this story. Uh, I was at this mean little church. I I hated it. And uh, I had a horrible two years there. I I stuck it out. Finally, I said to the bishop and cabinet, i got to move. I am depressed. This church has given me an ulcer. My wife doesn't like it. The children don't like it. Uh, that's a mean little area of Alabama. i got to move. And the district came back and said, uh, I'm sorry that this is not easy for you, but we, we think uh, you're doing good work here, and uh, we, we want you to stay, and we want you to fight this thing through. And I said, you don't even know anything about that church, and you're telling me, you know that, I said, I've tried everything, nothing has worked. They said, well, you're staying another year. And I was in despair. And I was so depressed. When we had the board meeting, I, I couldn't hold back my anger and despondency. I, I said to the board, I want y'all and I want to be up front with you. I begged to be moved this year to, to leave this church because I, I am so frustrated. I I just feel like Nothing is happening, and I can't see anything. And so one of the oldest members of the board, he said, said, you are frustrated? And I said, yes, yes. And she said, huh, I think I've been there for most of your sermons this year. I haven't noticed any frustration. I, in fact, I couldn't tell you had any expectations for what this church ought to be doing. I thought you were content." With nothing. And. So we started talking. There in the board meeting. And I said. Well I I think we ought to try this. And they said. Go on. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who, Who here told you. That you weren't allowed to do that. And. That board meeting lasted. He said till nearly midnight. We were born again. And that led to the first. The best year of my entire ministry, uh, and said, I, even though I didn't care for the bishop, I did find a way to write to him at the end of that year and said, thank you. Thank you for giving me more time. Uh, that, that tension between, gosh, they've, they've turned away, They have done so little with what they had been given. Cut it down. And that the servant who pleads, Master, uh, let them alone. Uh, uh, Forgive them. Uh, Give it more time. I'm surprised how old Harrison United Methodist Church is. You, you had to have been started by Francis Asbury as he tore through uh, the Carolinas. Uh, that's just amazing. Uh, most United Methodist churches that are as old as Harrison are in big trouble right now. They, they are in their last decade of ministry. We close six Methodist churches every week. Uh, but not Harrison. Uh, how are you going to use the time that Jesus is giving you? Uh, well, he came among us and he looked upon us and he said, follow me. Uh, I'll teach you to catch people. Follow me. you do greater things than I've done. He came to us in open-handed love and, and we responded in unison as you'll do here on a couple of Fridays from now. Crucify Him! And then when we gathered around the cross that we nailed Him to, He, he looked down upon us, we His betrayers, His crucifiers, and He said, Father! Uh, give them some more time. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Remember, you can join us each week at our 945 Contemporary Service or our 830 and 11 Traditional. You can always visit us online at harrisonchurch.org.